Hello and welcome back to the Essential Training Podcast with me, Brian Kingston, and my dad, Ian Kingston. Today I got to chat with Sam McArdle. Sam's a writer and actor based in London, and we chatted about his new one-man show called The Manny, which is coming to the Smock Alley Theatre in Dublin November 13th to 18th this year, 2023. And it sounds hilarious. It's a black comedy about an Irish male nanny working for rich single mums in West London. And it discusses themes of unrequited dreams, loneliness, unlikely father figures. It sounds like there's a lot more as well there. And it received five-star reviews and sold out in London and was nominated for an off West End award for its run at the King's Head Theatre. And it's his first play that he's written and he's currently adapting it for TV. And we had a beautiful circuitous conversation around creativity, tapping into our own wisdom, finding our own paths in life, moving away, moving back to Ireland, moving away again. We discussed some things of online dating, uh, sales, working and selling our own products or ideas or visions. We discussed performance. He took me on a great journey of his story of how he's gotten to this point and all the people that have helped him and the tools that he's used to help him get where he is, which I think are relevant to anybody, whether you're a sports person, whether you're working in a corporate job, whether you're working in a family business, whether you're an artist. Basically, if your heart's beating and you're living in this thing that we call life, I think that you'll get something of value from this conversation and a few laughs along the way, hopefully. So I enjoyed this conversation and had many pinch myself moments chatting with Sam. So I hope you enjoy and thanks Emily and everyone for listening and for all your feedback and encouragement so far on the podcast. We look forward to bringing you more. So enjoy this conversation with Sam. So Sam, it is great to chat to you. Uh, Tell me, Tell me about the show that you're doing, first off, because it sounds fantastic. Cool. Well, first off, Brian, thanks so much for having me on. It's really interesting. I think this is probably, this could be, I think, the third time, I think this is actually only the third time you and me have ever actually chatted, but I've been kind of following you on social media. First time I chatted to you was about 13 years ago when I just finished uni. I hate the way, I live over in London now, and I hate the way they've got me saying uni, but oh well. And I just met you and you were, you were going down to Cork and you're on a cool journey about going after your dream. And I was going off to drama school and that was probably the worst month in my life because I was about to go on this amazing path, something I dreamed about for the last five years, going to go to London, going to go to a great drama school. I was really, really scared and I, I was really nervous about the change. And I came from Dublin. I went to Trinity. I had all my friends in one place. And that change was really, really scary for me. And I kind of stumbled what, getting up to that mountain. And I actually left Edinburgh. Uh, we were all at the Fringe Festival, that's where we met. And I, I, I had to leave early. I was working in a pub and I just, I couldn't hack it. I, I was working crazy hours and I was, I was probably drinking quite a lot. And I was so nervous about going to drama school because I was seeing a lot of people doing well at the Fringe Festival. For anyone who doesn't know, Fringe Festival is a fantastic festival of comedy, theatre in Edinburgh every year. It's a, it's a huge thing. And I just saw loads of actors eating homemade sandwiches, trying to get like 
two people to come see their show. And I was like, I make homemade sandwiches. This guy and girl, they're in their 50s. Oh my God, what have I done? And I was really, really scared. And it ended up being all okay. I came back to Dublin. I licked my wounds, um, got dumped. And then I decided to go to London. And I got on the plane and I had my three years of drama school. And it ended up me, long story short, I... I went to drama school, cool place called Guildhall. It's, you know, a lot of amazing people have gone there. Michaela Cole was in the year ahead of me. She ended up doing I May Destroy You, Hugh McGregor, Daniel Craig, loads of amazing people. And I was essentially the lucky one in my year. And by lucky, I mean, when you get to third year, you, have, you spend two years in, in tights, being the wind, being the color green, running around, doing <laughs> Shakespeare, reading poetry to each other like incredible hogwarts with lightsabers that's how i like to describe it and then in third year it all changes and the industry is kind of like when voldemort comes back at the end of book four and harry potter industry industry you hear about all the industry the industry is coming the industry is coming like the death eaters and they come to see your shows and they're coming to choose you and i always think of the analogy of have you seen toy story yeah so you know in the first one when Woody is Woody and Buzz and they're in the they're in the I'm gonna get analogy wrong because I haven't seen the movie in years. They're in the kind of they're in the amusement park and they get put into that kind of glass cylinder with yeah. the really cute three-eyed aliens with the claw, the claw, and yeah. the claws coming to pick them and choose them. That's exactly <laughs> what drama school is like. And they worship the claw. They're like, yeah, the claw. <laughs> <laughs> they will do anything for the claw to choose them. And I worked, you know, worked. I worked hard in drama school. I was very fortunate, and I had loads and loads of agents come choose me. And it was like amazing. Hard work's going to pay off. Loads of really big agents um, were saying you're the next big thing. You're going to be huge. And I'm really lucky because obviously I'm Irish, so I can't take a compliment. And I, 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 it, it didn't really go to my head. I kept working hard, all that stuff. And I signed with a great agent. Did some really cool work. Um, got to work with the BBC, got to go on tour uh, doing a Jacobean tragedy all around Europe, all around the world. It was brilliant. Did a movie. Um, but I, I got to audition for Star Wars and the casting directors were ringing up my agent going, this guy's going to be a star. And I was getting down to like the final two for loads of stuff. But final two really means nothing. And then eventually... I ba ba bam. I basically got dropped by that agent. They just rang me up and said, "Sorry, mate, we only work with stars. You're not going to be a star anymore." And um, it's really interesting. Like not to get all woo woo, but I feel like our paths align in a lot of ways because you came back to to Dublin, and so did I. I came back. I finished. I did an amazing tour of a play, and I came back to Dublin, and I just sank. I found it really, really difficult. All my friends were getting married and they were all moving on. They found their life partner. Um, and I just was going out on nights out. I was on the dating apps, which is the dating apps. It's kind of like the Vietnam War. Neither side wants to be there, but neither side wants to pull out first. So you just have this whole, just the crap. The pineapple on pizza proved me wrong. Um, I'm off. I have actually deleted the dating apps now, but I remember being on them and just thinking to myself, if I see one more photo of the 40 foot, I'm going to scream. It's not a personality trait. It's not a personality trait. You know what? You know, I have I have seen swimming on my dating profile, so maybe I just... <laughs> we'd never match. 
it's cool sea swimming it's great i love it but when that's all people talk about or coffee i like a coffee don't get me wrong but and so i was just basically yeah i just i was back in dublin i quit acting and my self-talk was so bad i was you know really negative really bad and what i realized is my self-talk has always been very very bad i always you know on the surface i'd be like a I've been told, and I'll take the compliment, I've been told I'm like a golden retriever. And yeah, God, Sam, he's always in a good mood. He's always great. But internally, I think my self-talk really could have been better. And so I'm back in Dublin. I'm living in my parents' spare room. I'm on the dole. I can't get a job. I'm on, I decide to quit acting and get all these. I'm going to go, I'll work in sales. I'll work in sales. And then I'm in the final round for all these sales companies. And I'm still not getting the role. And I'm like, what? I, that, this is why I quit acting, because I couldn't get a gig. And now I'm doing the right thing. And I still can't get a gig. Um, and I remember thinking, basically, what happened? I essentially, long story short, I, I got saved by a global consultancy company. Um, they just took a punt on me. They just said, you know what? I came in for a chat. I, I had f- one of their speakers came basically when you're unemployed for over a year. I was unemployed for 16 months. When you're unemployed for over a year, you get put into these networking groups of, um, you know, how to get a job. Step one, have a CV. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and this woman from Accenture came to speak. Her name was Claire Carroll. And she talked about being a musician. And then she be- talked about how now she works in innovation. And I thought, amazing, really interesting story tracked down what her email address was, worked it out, felt like Ethan Hunt. And then I sent her a big Dear John email about myself. And she said, okay, cool. Um, We'll keep you on file. And if anything pops up, we'll let you know. Okay, cool. I've heard that before. So I go to a 30th with my buddies uh, in New York and we're all watching WrestleMania. And I remember laughing and having a great time. We were watching WrestleMania. And I realized I haven't laughed in years. And I was watching wrestling. I used to love WWE wrestling growing up. My favorite wrestlers were actually Edge and Kane. Well, not so much like the Rock and Stone Cult. No, I didn't want to fit in with the crowd. And I used to do this thing. I used to be a male nanny working for mums in West London. Sometimes single, sometimes in happy relationships. And that was a weird job because I was a big kid. And what the hell did I know about looking after kids? But it was a fun job. And there were some anecdotes, which I used to crack at parties you know, trying to be the center of attention in my 20s. And one thing I did was I used to play WWE wrestling with some of the kids. I, yeah, I'd work for the, there was one amazing family who I worked for the parents in their event management company during the day. And I'd pick up the kids. It was two, two boys, you know, they were like eight and 10. And then there was two teenage girls. I'd make sure they all get home, cook them dinner, play WWE wrestling with them. And it got me watching the wrestling again. I was 27 watching the wrestling. I hadn't watched wrestling since I was 12 or 13. And it kind of reminded me a bit of my childhood. Uh, and obviously, I started reading up about the different wrestlers. And I'm watching... I was watching WrestleMania, um, having a few pints, lad. And I just realized, fuck, I haven't really laughed in ages. And then I get a phone call and it's that person from Accenture saying, how are you? You've got a job interview next week. I was like, okay, weird. I go in, it's the, I shouldn't say this. It's the only job interview I never prepared for. My mm-hmm. self-confidence was shot to crap. And this is a guy who, when I when I first got dropped by my first agent, I went, ah, oh, well, and I tracked down who, who, okay, Hugh Jackman, one of my favorite actors, who's his agent? 
They don't take unsolicited submissions. Okay, uh, what am I going to do? I scratch the side of my face. I look to my left. There's a pizza box. Okay, F this. Get the get the pizza box. Print out my CV. Go down to Central London Soho. Buzz the intercom. I'm like, oh, this is a pizza delivery for Mrs. Coulson. We didn't order any pizza. Look, mate, I'm just here to deliver the pizza. Okay, rock up. Here you go, Mrs. Coulson. Here's the, I'm really sorry to be a bit cheeky, but uh, just wanted to get your attention. Give her the CV. Obviously, she didn't even write back to me. She didn't even know. She didn't care. But I think that, that was my mentality of like, okay, well, if I need to find, there's always a way to get into the nightclub. Wow. That's what I always try and say to myself. And I'd lost that kind of spark. And I, I got, I got, so I, anyway, fast forward now, I'm the kind of guy who doesn't even bother interviewing for jobs. And I'm wearing my dad's clothes, apart from, my, I'm wearing my own underwear and socks, but I'm wearing my dad's clothes, my sh- his shirt, his suit. And I don't know how, but they gave me a job. And so I worked and they helped me and they mentored me and they took an interest in me. And I have a lot, I've, I, I really have to thank them for gaining my self-confidence back. And, you know, some people would always be like, so what did you do in London? I would tell these stories about, oh, I used to, I did different jobs, you know, pulled pints, blah, blah, blah. But I used to be a, a manny, a manny. Yeah, yeah, it was a really weird job. And then I got a full-time contract and then COVID hit. And I found COVID really strange because it was in some ways the best year of my life. Um, I felt like everybody had, had gotten ahead and this is a really selfish thing to say, I know, but everyone was so ahead of me in life or in their careers, especially in acting. And now we're all on the same foot. So I'm back living with my family and I'm feeling kind, I'm feeling a bit lost and I've got this job and it's going well, safe job. And then I just, if I'm being really honest, when COVID hit, the biggest TV show in the world was about a bunch of young Irish people who went to Trinity College they fell in love. It's a little neat show called Normal People. I don't know if many people thought. And it was about a bunch of young Irish actors who then became huge stars. And there was a, re- I might be the only Irish actor who felt like this. I suspect I'm not. I was looking at these young stars who came out of nowhere and became huge. And I was comparing myself to them. Although I'm happy that Irish, great to see Irish people doing well. I felt like I was standing outside the nightclub in the rain and this car pulled up and these two just got out and hey, in you go. And I, hey, hey, what about them? We all tough look, mate. They look great. You don't. And I felt really, really down. I was really hard on myself. And I was like, oh, and I was really reactive. And I couldn't sleep. And I was so stressed out. And I woke up one night, not really sleeping that well. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go down and just watch some TV, watch some Netflix. And some documentary had dropped. I'm not really into basketball, but the guy from Space Jam, okay, cool. I don't know what he's going to teach me about mindset and motivation, but okay, let's... Oh, my God. <laughs> the Last Dance. The sports documentary about Michael Jordan. The last year of the Chicago Bulls. His mindset, his self-talk. And really, it just hit me like a shotgun to the balls. Because when I was in drama school, I'm not saying I'm the Michael Jordan of theatre, but when I was in drama school... I was that motherfucker. I was in at eight. I left at eight or nine p.m. every night. Yeah. The security attendant used to say to me, "Would you just go off home? I want to go see my kids." I was really, really, yeah. I really, I really drove myself, and I tried to make everyone else. I, I wanted everyone to go in the same direction, and I realized I'd lost that. I just had kind of lost that way, and I become this. I become Gollum. I become a really angry person, and in some ways, I'd probably gone off the rails. 
But, you know, when you hear about Tom Hardy going off the rails, he talks about going to loads of cool parties or like Miley Cyrus. My going off the rails was I just worked out the whole time. So, you know, it was I just stayed in and worked out the whole time. It was really weird. And so a real light bulb went off on me. And I just said to myself, F this. I've got this weird idea for a play. I should just start writing it anyway. So to answer your question in an incredibly long-winded way. Beautiful. The money. Thank you. The Manny is a one-man show about an Irish male nanny working for rich single moms in West London. He's selling for this life of meaningless Tinder dates, easy cash and hand work. All his friends are are growing. All his friends are getting married. He doesn't want to settle like that. He wants to stay like Peter Pan forever. And then he meets this actress called Molly. And Molly is very disillusioned. She was number one in drama school. Now she's selling brownies in Broadway Market as opposed to playing Cleopatra on the West End and the two though the two of them meet and Molly has never met someone who's so wild doesn't care is slightly probably self-destructive in a way and the Manny has never met someone who cares about a passion even though it's hurting her even though it's really affecting her mental health and Molly is settling for a life of getting she's gonna she's hooking up with her she's got a boyfriend called Liam who works in tech puts a tie around heads at wedding, because that means it's party time, uh, probably takes photos of his granny and, and puts on Instagram, oh, special times with this one, one of those, one of those. And so then the man he meets is pain in the arse, right wing. I know you know, we all know <laughs> lads like that. We all well, know lads like that. And like, sometimes I witness them, sometimes I embody them. So, you know, I'm just learning a lot about myself through this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> And but listen, it's Instagram, social media, it's a battlefield, whatever. Absolutely. And so, and then the man he meets this little pain in the arse walking Jurex ad called Michael. And Michael is a right wing, Tory kid. His parents don't really care about him. And there's something in the Manny that Michael sees a kind of connection with. They're on, they're on an unlikely bond. I was also playing a lot of The Last of Us, which is all about unlikely father figures too. So that was a real real reference for me and it's all about how all three of those characters need each other and how all three of those characters are changed by each other throughout the events of the play that is absolutely captivating do you know what i hear when i hear that so where to begin i mean beautiful thank you so much for sharing your story you know, uh, with risk of being an armchair psychologist, because, you know, I'm not and don't have any of those qualifications. But as someone who I regularly am tapping into my own creativity through writing spoken and performing spoken word poetry and storytelling. And it sounds like what I hear from what you're saying is all those characters are like, different parts of yourself that you're encountering and getting to express because you know as I as I listen to it you know there's the creative side there's the side that's not achieved anything yet there's the side that's wanting to follow his own dreams there's the side that came from wealth but maybe doesn't feel seen that's what I hear what I which is so beautiful because you're tapping into all that and then creating this funny captivating piece of art from that yeah, that's what I hear anyway. Hopefully it's hopefully it's funny. If people don't <laughs> laugh, we're fucked. Um, 
I definitely resonate. So yeah, like that's really interesting. You you see that. I think there's three in terms of do I see much of Michael, the little kid and myself? Not really so much. Maybe there's something subconsciously there. There probably is, I'm sure. But it was more, they were some of the children I'd look after. Yeah. Some of them had such amazing relationships with their families. Some not so much. But the 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 Molly character, the disillusioned actress, is someone I really, really resonated with. And that is a lot of me in that. And when I told my friends um, that I was doing this job, the money, they'd be like, what? Did you ever get with the mums? I never, of course, I never did. But it's so funny, that's what people thought. Yeah. And I should probably say as well, I, so in 2020, I started writing the show. And then at Christmas time, I did a Zoom reading. Oh, my God, those Zoom Peter readings. Terrible. I did a Zoom reading with some mates. And I hadn't acted in, in a few years. And the Zoom reading went really well. I had this really nice feeling in my stomach. And then it was around April 2021. And I had a really good job. And I was going out with a really lovely, amazing person. And I had a really good life but I just knew it wasn't my life. Mm. And I was living, I'd moved out, finally, moved out. Um, and I got myself, when I started writing the show, after watching The Last Dance, I really want to get back into that routine again. So I was like, right, well, first off, I'm in okay shape. I've got, I, I've got, you know, I've got a very, luckily, I've got a very healthy self-love image, whatever the phrase is, I don't know. But maybe I could probably get back in shape because I always feel like if I work out loads, that's really sets me up for being disciplined so I got in touch with a woman called Debbie Crothers and uh, who's she's just she's just a coach that's all I can describe her and we worked out basically a workout plan calories bulking up doing a cut I was doing a lot of CrossFit uh with CrossFit 353 I started getting into yoga too there's these amazing yoga sisters from Galway they're called yo uh, I'm gonna get the name wrong it's Hannah Healy is one of them they're brilliant they're based out in Galway I started doing yoga once a week doing loads of meditation and it got to it got to about May, and I just thought this is a great life I've got in Dublin, but it's not my life. Yeah. And uh, I quit the job, and I decided to move to London and to come back. And I, I think a lot of Irish people they go over in twenty one, twenty two after after they finish uh, uni, and they kind of come back at t- between twenty eight and thirty. And I I felt like I was I was going against the grain and coming back. And I put the show on at one of my friends' pub. Her name is Danita Gohill. She's an actress and. We put the show on in her in her in a room in her pub. We invited a couple of people. We ended up selling it out in a week, two nights. We put the show on. We got some really cool people to come see it. And I had this really amazing feeling of I I we finished the first night and we were, you know had a lovely standing ovation, so lovely. Went backstage, went backstage. I knew I had thirty seconds to myself. Bawled my eyes out. Felt Did like you? I was back. I've oh yeah. Felt like uh, I'm a bit I'm a bit crier. And I felt like, uh, just off my ex, no, I'm kidding. And I felt like I, I I found myself again. I'd come back to, I, I found it again, whatever was inside me. And um, a fire was lit, took a job over here. And then we started, I wanted to put the show on in a bigger theater. And then all throughout 2022, I found myself just, you know, some, some people kind of came in and out of my life to be producers or to help. Some people came in out of my life, you know, maybe that I thought were going to be there for a long time. And everyone kind of seemed to kind of, I kind of decluttered my attic as the year went on. And I really wanted to put the show on. We found a great theater called King's Head in London. 
And it was really funny putting the show on there because my last audition, I hadn't, I got another agent who ended up dropping me just before COVID. No hard feelings. That's how it goes. I hadn't, I hadn't made him any money in four years. I think I was on 140 auditions and four yeses at this stage. Not, not great, not great odds. And um, I had this audition in just before COVID started to jump back for a sec, just before Mm -hmm. COVID January 2020, I had this audition at the King's Head for an amazing show. I flew over and I fucked up the audition. I think I dried. I don't think I did well. And I walked out and I just went, fuck, I roared out into the Islington air. Um, I was really annoyed at myself. I screwed it. And now, two years later, I'm back at the same theatre putting the show on. Wow. And uh, I produced it myself. I worked for an amazing, I couldn't, so I should also say, Jesus, I wouldn't be doing this without Mel Fulbrook, who is my director. She knows me from drama school. I always call her the Hermione to my Harry. Sam, have you just compared yourself to the boy who lived? Yes, I did. Uh, I couldn't have done the show without her. And then we also got in my friends from drama school. So we have Charlie Smith, who does uh, sound design on the West End. He was in Guildhall with me. John Abney, we got him to do the lights. Um, and like loads of my friends came to see the show yeah. it was a real full circle moment the show sold really well we got some great reviews and then I also started writing a TV pilot that's the next stage as well we're now going to do a TV pilot reading next Thursday before next um, next week um, and yeah it's a real weird full circle moment and yeah it's really exciting yeah and what's so Coming back to Ireland seems like that's like another full circle moment. Like, tell me oh, about yeah. that. Well, we're going to bring the show to Smock Plug. We're going to bring the show to Smock Alley uh, this coming November. Um, and I'm really interested to bring the show back. Smock Alley has been great to work with. We've got the poster ready to go. I think we're proofing it today. Um, I always equate Dublin with being a failure, to be honest. I don't really mm-hmm. like coming back. I love to see my family. I love to see my friends. They're popping out kids like it's going out of fashion. But I, I don't really feel that sense of, you know, I like going for a sea swim. It doesn't change my life when I jump into the water and get back out. I can only last about 10 seconds, which probably has something to do with it. But I, because I was a failure for at least the two years of the four years I was there, I really want to, I like to call it, and it's such a wanky thing to say, I like to heal the ground so you know the way if you got a friend and they get dumped and they're like, I can't ever go to that restaurant anymore because that's where I got dumped or we can't go here or there. Yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to, to healing the ground in a sense. I can't believe it. Like in, in Dublin and going, back, and going back there and hopefully it does well. Hopefully people like it. Um, my friends have never actually really seen me act. My school friends. Um, some of my uni friends, I don't think, well, my, my uni friends would have seen me act because I would have done plays. Uh, in Trinity um, but it'd be really interesting to see it um, it'd be really interesting to go there yeah so I'm looking forward to the show but I've, uh, I'm going there not with any feelings of anger or, or resentment but it's I feel like I need to kind of prove it to that guy who came back in 2017 and who's a bit Donald Ducked that it, that it was going to be all be okay yeah I love that concept of healing the ground yeah it's for me, coming home, you know, there's a lot there that I have been in that process and continue to be that process of healing that ground for different reasons in different scenarios in my life. Um, and there's one question I had. You mentioned when you did the 
Zoom reading that you had this lovely feeling in your stomach. Can you describe that more? Can you talk a bit about what that feeling was? It was just a feeling of now I know why I have to go through. Now I know why I had to step over the coals. Um, now I know I have to go through all that because in my 20s, I was my then agent just wanted me work out in the gym, work on your American accent and wait by the phone. And I felt very emasculated artistically. And I, I just felt I don't like I don't. I don't like waiting for things to happen in a yeah. way. Um, and then by creating this thing and writing it and sharing it with people who whose opinion I trusted and who will be honest with me and for them to say, it's actually not shit, Sam, what you've got. It just opened up another door to me and made me think, how can I describe it? It's just a real, it's just like that light bulb moment. It's like a warm, it's like like a light bulb moment, a warm, hot water bottle in your gut that this is exactly where you're meant to be. Um, kind of like when you finally find your friends after four hours of losing them at EP. Ah, where we made it, we made it. It's that kind of, <laughs> it's that kind of sense of just, kind of sense of just, yeah, you're just like, okay, here, now I know I have to go through all that. Um, and I had this feeling as well. It's actually funny. I, I had it a few different times, of course, when we got King Said and put it on. But I was going to see a buddy's play at the National Theatre a couple of weeks ago. And we had finally confirmed that we were going to do the script reading. We had finally confirmed that the poster for Dublin was going ahead. I just, and I'm not going to ruin it for anyone. I just finished watching The Bear both seasons. And I, had, I was walking to the National. And the National, South Bank is an area I go to once a month to like rejuvenate and feel better about myself. There's something about... Something about being beside, I'm not going to say the sea because it ain't the sea, but something about being beside the, the water. The National Theatre is somewhere I've always wanted to, to. I used to queue up there to go see plays. And I had this real sense that um, once again, I'm exactly where I need to be. And as long as I stay calm, I'll get to it. And kind of kind of burst into tears walking along the South Bank. And if you had looked at me, you would be like, oh, he just got dumped, didn't he? That's why. He, but I just had this really weird feeling of just, okay, I'm exactly where I need to be doing this. Um, and it kind of, it, it's, it, it, I, I store that memory now, like after the play reading, like after the actual reading when I fucking cried backstage, crying a lot, that um, you got to remember these moments when the going gets tough because, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. I think a great book I re I always love to read is Shoe Dog about how they make knife. Yeah, yeah. And what I love about that, have you read it? Yes, I have. Yeah. Every chapter, they make the great big deal, and they're all celebrating. And in the last paragraph of each chapter, like the accountant will say, "By the way, if you don't make thirty grand by next week, we're all out of business." And it's just so up and down, and you just mm. got to stay calm. And um, so, yeah, that's that, that that's how that's how the feeling felt, I guess. Finding your mates after four years of losing them an EP. Beautiful description. <laughs> Beautiful description. Um, that book, Shoe Dog, incredible book. And that's what I'm hearing incredible. from your story as I hear it is it's so entrepreneurial. There's so much sales there. There's so much not accepting the status quo of how you apply for something and going the circuitous route, like delivering the pizza box with your CV in it or calling up the essential person 
I mean, any 101 of sales is is exactly that is is be creative. And also you're seeking out the relationship because that is what is going to drive whatever it is you want to do forward because it's people that get things done. And it's just so incredible to hear what you've gone through, what you've put yourself through and the tenacity of what you're doing. And I know there's been loads of lows and there's been times of giving up and everything, but that's, that's what I hear just resoundingly through what you're telling me is the raw passion for performance and art and theater and acting and also your creativity and tenacity to get it done and why I asked what that feeling in the stomach was is because I'm always seeking out those feelings and I wanted our listeners to hear what that is for you and that feeling EP is next weekend that feeling of finding your friends after losing them at a festival because there's no cell service or mobile phone service Mm. you're you know people are probably concocted with many different substances and there is so much different energies going on in the place and you have great crack by yourself but like as alexander supertramp from into the wild says happiness is only real when shared that moment where you connect with those people is beautiful and i recently performed at shanaki a storytelling oh my god just the space that Gaff, Kieran Gaffney has created is incredibly special. And why I'm mentioning it is because I performed there for the second time uh, in Westport last week. And I was going to do a spoken word poem because that's kind of been my thing, spoken word poetry. And I was trying to learn it on, in the car on the way up. And the theme of the night was home. And I was like, okay, this I'm going to do a poem that I wrote eight or nine years ago when I was in Nepal doing this meditation retreat with very high Tibetan lamas. And we were all sitting down cross-legged and and sitting there in so much pain because it hurts to sit cross-legged. My back was sore. My knees were bent, intense concentration. And then I had a quick open of the eyes to check on others, enlightenment situation. That's the line. And the sentiment of the poem is, the back of our eyelids look the same in the East as they do at home, right? And people here are searching for something that maybe they needed to go there to search for it, but really it's within. And why I'm saying that is because I got up on stage after listening to four or five of the storytellers and there was a couple of hundred people in the room and I was just so inspired by what they had said that I decided to put down my phone not read out the poem and tell a story that I heard that I read recently uh, an old Irish myth about a druid and a butterfly which I'm sure I'll tell on the podcast at some point but the excitement being on stage not knowing what I was going to say next and the audience not knowing what I was going to say next and six times in that performance I got shivers all through my spine And it just was a moment of terror and excitement and joy. And afterwards, uh, a girl tapped me on the shoulder. She was like, that was class. So funny. She was like, 
it had the perfect amount of chaos in it. (laughs) 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 And she was like, I didn't know what you're going to say next. We didn't know what you're going to say next. But that's what created the tension for the laughter. And I told her, I didn't know what I was going to say next. And, And it was the beauty of it. And and. I'm just so chomping at the bit to get another opportunity to get those feelings again and seeking out where I can in life. And the podcast is one of those. I mean, you were speaking there and I was just sitting back laughing and in awe of just how succinctly you weaved us through your story. And I suppose I was asking because I felt the shivers through my spine. You felt that warm, hot water bottle feeling in your stomach. I wonder what other feelings are out there that are possible Mm. to feel to help us see oh we're on the right path or we're in the right place the right time your gut is your annoying friend who tells you the truth um and your head is that irritating friend's partner who tells you what you want to hear so you like them more at a party i think when you meet some you know when you meet I, I get really annoyed when I hear my friends say, oh, I've met someone. I'm probably, what's the word, a dormant romantic or like an atheist romantic. I don't know what the term is. But whenever some of my friends go, oh, my God, I've met someone and I know this is different because I'm really nervous. I'm really like nervous when they don't text. I'm really, when I'm with them, I'm really worrying about what I say. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, that sounds like getting an enema off your <laughs> ex's parents. That is, I don't want that. And I really think I know nothing about. I really, I'm not really. I don't. Know, I know nothing about relationships. But when it's right, it's easy. And I think your gut will will is is a real. It's like you know you meet don't you meet someone at a party and you're like okay they're cool they're a bit intense but they're cool I'll chat to them they're funny and then you might meet someone else and you're like staying away from them they're weird they're not going to get me around back I wouldn't leave my partner alone with them. And that, that your gut is always keeping you uh, alive if you're present and you listen to it in any kind of situation, be it a job, be a job spec when you're on the job hunt. Or if you, you know, if you, I want to say when you see someone on a night out and you want, or in, or in the daytime that you want to approach as opposed to seeing some stupid profile on, on a dating app. And um, I think the gut, the, like, I think when, when I listen to my gut, my gut has never really been wrong, I got to say. So, yeah. you know, it's such a beautiful thing. It sometimes sounds like a trope. It sounds like a cliche. And the annoying thing about cliches is there's so much truth in them. But yeah. because they become cliche, we don't listen to them anymore. So I'm just thinking of people listening to this. I'm thinking, I'm asking this for myself as well. How does one, how do you tap more into that feeling where you are more susceptible to the messages that your gut is giving you for me i do this thing every year so i, I gotta if you can see it let me get a female i keep a moleskin diary every year i write a new one i don't know if you can see i, I let me unblur my screen so yeah you can see Ba-bum. where's it going during my background they don't i see so oh, i beautiful. keep it i keep it I keep a diary for every year, a moleskin for every year, and I put on pictures. This is so embarrassing. I put on pictures like a mood board. So you got my, this is so cringe. So Roy Keane is here because I think in 2022, I was a bit soft and I probably didn't didn't speak. Like I'm going real woo-woo here. I went to a Reiki session there a couple of, mo- a couple of weeks ago and the healer said, 
your throat chakra is blocked. I don't think you speak your truth enough. And I think in 2022, I probably left probably let people away with a bit more. I should have said, hey, listen, probably should have pulled people up on some on their behavior a bit more. Yeah. But I gave them the benefit of the doubt. And then this is from I took myself on a solo trip to Croatia. Never accept anything less than what you deserve. I just saw in the hotel. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a basic saying, but it popped out to me. And then on the back here is I love to do a show at the Royal Court Theatre. Um, Edge, the wrestler, going to WrestleMania. <laughs> because he because it's not just me being a sports jock. He busted his neck and he couldn't fight for nine years. And then he had the surgery and he came back. Um, so I just thought, well, listen, if he can get over a busted neck, I think I can get over a bit of depression. And then Denise Goff is my favorite actor. Um, actress, I think not. I'm going to say actress. There's a whole thing about yeah. you should call actress and actress the same. But I disagree. I think until until men and women get paid the same, there needs there should be there should be a, a difference, and obviously women should be paid the same. So until then, actor and actresses, and um, please don't cancel me for saying that. And then Michael Jordan hitting the game winning shot, uh, and then on open highway because I'm 35, Brian, and I need to learn how to drive. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> Anyway, so why why am I answer that question? So I think so. What I do at the start of every year is I write. I I take two minutes, take a deep breath, set a timer, and I start writing all my friends' names as if I'm getting married tomorrow. Uh, sorry, mom, that's not happening for a while. As if I'm getting married tomorrow. Who is my who are my wedding party? And after two minutes, I normally have about maybe 20, 30 names. And over the years, it's mostly been the same names, but some drop in, some drop out. And I look at that list and I go, okay, these are my buddies. And it's up to me to check in on them, see how they're doing throughout the year. And what I started doing is, not that I, have, I always feel as an Irish person, I need to say this, um, but I, I, I've always had a good relationship with alcohol. Like anyone, there's been times where I've probably drank too much. But I started getting a bit more, one of my friends said, you should go monk mode, which I love. So I pretty much cut out alcohol, maybe once every six weeks. And I really just focus on listening to myself a bit more. My friends are, even if, okay, I, 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 I'm not really friends with my party friends anymore, but maybe I probably wasn't really friends with them ever. I don't really hang out with that many people anymore. I spend a lot of time working on the play, and a lot of time doing, you know, I, I like to call it, I like to call it dental flossing my brain. So I go for meditations now. I really resonate with your story about the, uh, meditating your back hurts i go to an hour-long meditation a couple of times a month do a lot of yoga now do a lot of meditation um and you just kind of be you be more present as well um for me the meditation and the the healthy nice habits are a gateway into be, me being more present with myself and then one of the things i stopped doing was in my 20s I love meeting people on nights out or in, in normal situations, but I love the dating apps. I met so many characters and the play is also commentary on just how silly dating apps are. But I started to, I decided to delete the dating apps in May around the time of my birthday. I came home to Dublin. I just felt like I was, I felt like I was just seeing previous partners in different clothes. I was just seeing the same people with the same kind of triggering and triggered behavior and I had to protect my peace, as naff as that sounds. So all those things combined, re-looking, really focusing on who are my friends, um, doing the stuff that makes me happy, trying different things. Um, I started going to these uh, ecstatic dances on a Sunday, which is brilliant. I have at least four new dance moves, but just doing stuff that's a bit out there. Um, 
that's kind of helped me. And then also doing stuff for me. So the play, I whenever those feelings of anxiety or or word wordlessness flares up, I just I I really try and be kind to myself. It flared up really badly yesterday. For example, I watched a really good movie and I recognized an actress. Um, and we used to have the same agent. And I was like, look at her, she's in Hollywood. What do you do? You're doing nothing. And I was like, well, you're not doing nothing, Sam. And I try, I, 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 instead of spending an hour self-flagellating, I'll, I'll work on something I love. I'll create Beautiful. something that makes me feel better. And that's the play. And I think if for people who aren't, are, who aren't, I think we're all, I really believe we're all, I'm going on a tangent here. I really believe we're all creative. We all got something to offer. I remember one of the most amazing women I've ever met. And she used to say to me, Ah, oh, you're creative, Sam. I'm not, but she is. She, she while she is, her creativity is in, is in a different way. I think you just got to tap into that. For a while, I used to do these cooking videos on Instagram because there was something so therapeutic about, you know, getting my hands stuck into making granola or these weird cinnamon buns with like only ninety calories or whatever the hell. But what that was was a it was a routine something I need to I need to stick I need to make a promise to myself to have a new cooking video every week but also what it was was when I was in my early 20s and I wanted to be an actor I thought I had to be like Christian Bale and be really serious mm. but I'm actually not a serious guy I am mm. serious I take my I take my work very seriously and I take myself seriously but I, I'm not that really serious guy I can be but I Doing the cooking video, I started to maybe I'm maybe I'm funny. Let's try cracking a few jokes. I've no doubt in my mind, loads of people were like, "Look at this dickhead! Look what's he doing!" But some people started to write to me and go, "Hey, that's kind of funny what you did there, or that video's gas, or there's no way in hell I'm eating those weird Mars bars." But it was a way of oh, actually finding it was a way of finding myself again in a way. Yeah, actually, maybe I can do comedy. And when I think about it, some act, some directors, some teachers said to me, "You should do comedy." You, you know, because loads of lads are six foot two in decent nick, but not very few people are actually able to crack jokes. And humor is a is a weapon you got to refine and you got to work on really well. So a lot of com- a lot of comedians are really really good at dramatic roles because they just have this el- they they just have this element of realism and nat- naturalism to them too. Mm. And by doing the cooking videos, I actually was almost trying out a stand up routine. Yes, my my delivery in the cooking videos translates into parts of the play which are a little bit stand-up in nature as well fantastic fantastic and you know where i can relate to that is it's funny how things that we do in retrospect we realize how it's actually informing our work in the present so for me being up on stage in front of hundreds of people that informs my work when i'm holding space for a corporate group of Mm. grads or salespeople. Or when I, you know, I playing rugby, it's it's being in a team or creating the circle sessions, which is a spoken word poetry and storytelling night. That's like how to organize an event or how to kind of read the room. And it's just cool to hear you say those. What I hear from your story is you've just gone out and done it yourself. And it's kind of brought you to this moment of going out and doing it yourself with your show. So what date in November is the show? It's going to be on the 13th, Monday the 13th of November to Saturday the 18th at Smock Alley. And um, we're luckily almost, we're about to sell out the final night Saturday. 
Oh my um, god! But tickets are available for the other nights. Um, I'm yeah, really, really looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to see it, and I feel like we could talk about lots of different things, and maybe it'll be good to have you on again. But thank you so much for sharing your story. I had many pinch myself moments listening to you talk. So just thank you so much. And before we finish, is there anything else that you'd like to say they haven't said or anything else you'd like to tell people about or talk about? I'm trying to think. Um, I think we kind of covered quite a lot, like in a good way, it all came quite naturally. Um, something else that really helped me as well is I'm really lucky my mum is a therapist and she's also a Reiki healer. And my my family unit, I'm very fortunate, is quite secure. So I, I did have that to fall back on. But um, I've done therapy myself. Sorry, I've, I've gone to see a therapist since I was 17. Um, and there's a gentleman called Jerry McNevin who I'd really recommend. I think people should go see therapy. I think it's a, it's a great way to just, I like to call it unweeding the garden. You just got to get that. You got to get those thoughts out. Uh, better out than in really and uh, he's someone i really recommend um you can you can find his number google him uh he's someone i i i've sent i've sent my a lot of my friends his number i just think that was also something that kind of kept me on the path Amazing. and anything else Ba-bum. yeah just delete the dating apps they're they're crap they're crap like <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to take me to listen to that advice. Maybe I'll hold that one a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> one last question. What are you most excited about bringing the show to Dublin? Or what are you, like you mentioned healing the ground. Is there anything else that's kind of, that you're excited about? Um, just seeing what, how the show grows. I'm really excited to bring the show to Dublin. I'm really excited to, we've written this TV pilot. Let's see what, let's see what happens. I've no idea what's going to happen. Uh, I'm 35 and I haven't got a clue. I have not got a clue. Um, see where it goes. I'm really excited. And I keep a little... Oh, where's it going? I've got it here somewhere. Um, I've got like a little jar that I do. Every time I do something good for myself, I write it down. So it's like a real an analogy would be like, well done, Sam. I'm such an op. Well done, Sam, for not freaking out over money. Because in my 20s, I was so stressed about it. I was so broken. I was so stressed. And that really interfered with a lot of different things in my life. So I'm really looking forward. I think I'm looking forward to adding to it with the Manny. The Manny is teaching me a lot about myself, this mm. project. I really want to see where it goes. I'd love that people came to see it and liked it. Um, and if they didn't like it, that's fine. Just don't just don't tweet at me at all. I don't <laughs> want to know about the negative friends. Yeah, so hopefully people like it really, yeah. Really. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I have one of those jars as well. And it's great for like that when the negative thoughts or feelings of what the hell am I doing come in, mm. you can pick up from that jar or add to that jar. Um, and one of the things I do, and I was telling a couple of my mates, a couple of the lads, is I'll just think of a few things that I'm thankful for when I wake up in the morning and when I go to bed at night. And it's a nice way to, no matter how shit things have gone, or how good things are going it's a nice way to remember the things that are going well so thank you you so do much. that thing which sorry yeah. you do that thing with your hands there so 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 this is how i count it you know i'll use my thumb as a counter right so and i'll count it on each finger right but when mm. i was in nepal i went so we we do one two three four right at my four fingers but what they do and i'm explaining this for people just listening not watching 
is they do, they use the bends of our fingers as counters. So let's say I have my four fingers. They'll do one, two, three on the baby finger, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Love it. So you're, so I use that then. So I'll count 12 things and then I'll do my other hand. I'll do 24 things that I'm grateful for. Sometimes I don't get that far. Sometimes it, it overflows with that amount. I started out with just four things that, um, that I'm grateful for. And it's a powerful thing in the morning. Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot before you go to sleep. And when you wake up, you're kind of in between sleep state and waking state. And, you know, there's scientific terms for it, like theta. I don't know, understand it all, but what I, how I understand it is that's a very potent time to speak to your subconscious mind, because I can relate to you in there's been periods of my life where my self-talk has been incredibly negative and don't ask me where it comes from I, you know what's important is how do I change it and mm. um, and that's one of the many tools I use I have along with that that jar of awesome that Tim Ferriss calls it I also use that gratitude um, gratitude list when I wake up and when I go to bed and it's it's easy because I don't need anything else you know I can just close my eyes and do it I love so, that. I'm definitely going to use that. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's really yeah. cool. You're welcome. And look, thanks many for having you on. And I'm so excited to see the show. And I'm so excited to chat to you after it's all done and see where it goes. So thanks a million. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully have you on again. Peace soon, Brian. Thanks so much for that. Loved it. So there you have it. Beautiful conversation with Sam McArdle about his new show, The Manny, coming to the Smock Alley Theatre this November 2023 from the 13th to the 18th I think he said yeah that's correct and yeah thanks a million everyone for listening really enjoying putting out these podcasts and they selfishly are just allowing me to have conversations with really interesting people from all walks of life and it sounds like people are getting a lot from the conversations and that makes me delighted to hear I certainly am And I look forward to chatting with more people. And as always, we're open to suggestions, feedback, guidance on where we can take this podcast. And we're always open to new guests. So your suggestions or introductions are always appreciated. And yeah, thanks a million for listening, wherever you are, in your car or doing the washing. And we will chat to you soon. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Essential Training Podcast with me, Brian Kingston, and my dad, Ian Kingston. As dad says, hope it brought something up for you and gave you a chance to reflect on your own work and your own life. We'll see you again next Thursday. And as always, we're open to any feedback or suggestions you might have, what you liked about it, what you think could be better, maybe some suggestions for guests, suggestions for topics as well. So thanks a million for listening and we will see you or you'll hear us next week.